I'm Mark Gagan, and you're listening to the Voice of Insurance podcast, produced in association with Advantage Go, enabling an enterprise view of exposure. We've got something a little different for you this week. Today's podcast with Steve McGill was recorded live. The Voice of Insurance was invited to produce the opening fireside chat at the highly successful InsureTech 3.0 InsureTech event, and we thought it would be fun for a change. Doing things truly live is always different and often unexpected. You'll find this one a bit faster than usual. That's not because I've suddenly lost my manners and decided to enjoy interrupting people, but because I'm keeping to a strict time schedule and sometimes need to move things along so we don't run out of time. There are also a few thrills and spills, with a strange cross line coming from the control room right at the beginning. But that's all part of the fun of doing things live with no safety net. Enjoy the live podcast. Hi, I'm Rick J. Lindsay, Chairman and CEO of Claims Direct Access, otherwise known as CDA. We all read about the claims nightmares in the United States of America, social inflation, nuclear verdicts, and the sky is falling. Hardly a day goes by without the news of reserve strengthening at major carriers. However, it's not all bad news. In the United States of America, we have the best legal system in the world, which allows you to fight frivolous claims and litigation and come out on top. In this kind of environment, you must get smarter about how you handle your claims and who your partners are. You have to move fast and be robust. CDA has been handling claims for over 40 years nationwide and has a team of 46 claims professionals, including 12 highly skilled attorneys and litigators. We have handled cases for major Lloyd syndicates since 1994, as well as US-based major carriers, and have closed over 70,000 claims since 1994 nationwide. Not settling frivolous litigations is a must. CDA claim service means going the extra mile, handling claims quickly and vigorously with a proactive approach. Why not get in contact now to see how CDA can do the same amazing work for you and your partners that they do for me every day? Visit www.claimsdirectaccess.com today. You're listening to The Voice of Insurance live with a fireside chat. The podcast I did last year with my guest today is the most downloaded in The Voice of Insurance's history. Now, why would that be? It's because he's doing something that's actually very much out of the ordinary. On the carrier side of insurance, we have startups and capital formations, and they come in great waves. But on the broking side, actually, startups are usually only on a micro and very organic scale, where maybe one or two directors leave a business and branch out on their own. In broking, only very, very few people have ever been entrusted with hundreds of millions and the promise of more to come with instructions to go and create a new broker from scratch. The ones that do it by M&A and roll up, but taking the investment and building a broker from scratch is very, very rare. But today's guest, of course, has persuaded blue chip investors to do just that. And what's more, they've given him the time he needs to achieve his goals. He's had a stellar career at the top of JLT and Aon, and he could have stayed where he was, and he would have continued to do extremely well for himself. And that's, I think, probably what most people would have done. But then Steve McGill isn't most people, and he launched McGill & Partners two years ago. So Steve, we'll kick straight off. Last time we spoke, we were on the podcast, you said that because of all the things that happened in the broking world, that was referring to MMC, JLT, and then what had just been the bombshell of Aon Willis this time last year, I ended up calling the podcast uh, Rip Up Your Original Business Plan. Given everything that's happened since then, what version of that plan are you on now, Steve? 
there's been a lot of iterations and, and thank you very much for that very generous introduction. The Voice of Insurance podcast was actually the 16th of June, 2020. And just for the context of everybody who's uh, involved in this conference, that was our first full year of trading. And just if I may, a little bit of um, background, we actually secured funding after two years of very comprehensive planning, research and analysis of the sector. And the funding was achieved on the 24th of May, 2019, which then with Warburg Pincus, one of the world's finest financial sponsors and the oldest private equity firm in in the world. And um, after we received that funding, we then obviously had to recruit talent, find office space, do all the infrastructure, do all the operations and start building a base centered initially out of London. By October of 2019, that was when a number of colleagues joined McGill and Partners. So it's effectively the sort of soft launch. And from there, you know, we go into our first year of trading in 2020. And on the 17th of March, we had to trigger our crisis management plan. And then we ended up working um, remotely, which was not what we anticipated for a brand new business. But fortunately, because we'd started with a blank sheet of paper, we'd focused on acquiring high quality talent and going into lockdown, there was 160 colleagues in the firm, cloud-based technology, we could seamlessly work remotely. And, you know, initially, I think it's fair to say the business plan was, you know, let's batten down the hatches because there's a lot of uncertainty. Then, of course coinciding with this, the Aon and Willis announcement occurred. And, you know, the business plan, I'd have to say, has been evolving constantly as we went through 2020 and 2021. And what I would just say is the expectations we have for the business in 2020 were surpassed. The excitement of our financial sponsor to continue to invest in the business remains significant. And most important of all, we were able to attract more and more high-quality talent and more and more clients into the firm. So I think we're into double digits in terms of how our business plan has looked and how it's evolved. But I'm really excited about the uh, prospects and the opportunities uh, we have in uh, this year and beyond. What's that in numbers? You're such a fast moving target, Steve. In a year out of two years, you're 100% on. So just give us some numbers in terms of your headcount, the sort of GWP you're handling now and the geographical spread. Of course, you started in London, but I know that you've got some more outposts now. We've so far hired 327 colleagues. And as I said, going into lockdown, we had 160. We haven't missed a beat. Of the 327 colleagues hired, 295 are on board and the vast majority are operating out of London, but the rest of the colleagues are due to join in the balance of this year. Uh, We handled 273 clients and that number just continues to rise daily. And those clients are from all over the world. We're actually covering 85 countries globally when you look at the sort of client footprints. If you then look at the um, premium volume that we're handling, 
In 2019, when, as I referenced, our soft launch was sort of October, so it was a relatively short period, we handled run rate premium of $57 million in 2019. In 2020, the run rate premium went up to $1.4 billion. And, you know, our run rate premium now is actually north of $1.6 billion as we've started the year very strong. And in terms of um, build-out mark of our business internationally, we always had plans for a very strong presence in the States. And we've got um, offices in New York and also a presence in Miami. And because of Brexit and the importance of the European theatre, we have a significant presence in Dublin to get access to European clients. So great momentum, great momentum with clients and with talent, great momentum in terms of building our business internationally. And we always viewed it as extremely important to build a global specialty firm and a firm at scale. And I certainly couldn't be more excited about the opportunities ahead of us. And Steve, if we're sitting here this time next year, what are you projecting now? What's that book of business going to look like if you continue your growth rate at this sort of speed? Well, at the end of this year, we certainly envisage we'll continue with our talent acquisition strategy and we'll be well north of 350 colleagues in the firm. Our run rate GWP is on track to uh, more than double as we sort of end this year going into 2022. And I do think, Mark, you know, when you reflect on the fact that a lot of our business, the vast, vast majority is international. It is quite a remarkable achievement that we've been able to make so much progress whilst we've been pampered with COVID lockdowns, not being able to travel. And, you know, for the lifespan of our business, I think about 55% of our time, we've been working remotely as a lifespan of our business. That's quite remarkable, but really enabled by technology and combined with talent, we've been able to make uh, what, what I view as pretty extraordinary progress. Is it down to the talent of the people and the draw that they've already got? For example, John Neal said that he thought that one of the biggest drags of lockdown, obviously it's been great that it's proven the technology, that's been great for a renewal business, but it's been hard to produce new business. And he said that the new business flow into Lloyd's was below expectations. And partly he blamed that on not being able to be face to face. How have you been able to do that? In fact, we had in the latest podcast, Stephen Catlin is crediting you with going against that trend and saying, well, you've managed to build your whole business in lockdown effectively. How have you been able to do that? Is it about the way you use the technology? Well, I think there's a number of things, Mark. And obviously, if you're a brand new business, Everything you've got to generate is new, so you don't have the benefits of a renewal portfolio. So I think a couple of things I'd say. First of all, two years of planning, analysis, research, understanding the sector that we wanted to operate in, talking to clients, talking to carriers, and really thinking about what is the value proposition that's going to resonate with clients and how do we work in a way that is going to provide exceptional service and capabilities to those clients? And you know this. We looked at, at our positioning and we said, really, we want to focus on the larger corporate clients, the clients with more complex needs. 
And we felt there were many terrific uh, firms out there, many terrific competitors, whether it's the biggest brokerage firms in the world, like the Aons and the Marshes and the Willises, soon to be probably two, but other firms, the BMSs, the Howdens, Gallagher's, Lockton's, etc. But we felt they were firms that provided service to every client segment. And whilst they sort of specialised, they were also very broad-based and provided a broad range of general services and capabilities to a very broad range of clients. So our philosophy was go narrow and deep, focus mainly on this large corporate client sector and build expertise and capability around that sector that would really resonate with clients. And we saw this happening in the investment banking world over decades, where you had really high quality investment banks like JP Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley that compares and contrasts with Aon Marshall Willis. And then you had the emergence of super boutiques that went narrow and deep in capability, firms like Evercore, Molis, Lazard. And those firms took a 36% market share out of the investment banking revenues by providing very distinct expertise and capabilities. And interestingly, they pursued more of a talent acquisition strategy than acquisition of companies. So I think... There's a lot of ingredients that are making us an interesting proposition, but it certainly is the client value proposition, the focus that we have, the specialization that we have, the way we've built our business around talent and colleagues and talent are the assets of the firm, and then underpinning it with cutting edge technology to enable us to provide highly efficient and effective service to our clients anywhere in the world. I wonder whether a day ever goes by in the market when someone isn't talking about innovation. In an industry dominated by generic products, insurance businesses are understandably looking for some sort of advantage, some way to differentiate themselves that will make them a more attractive proposition. It's the right ambition, but are they looking in the right places? Because if they do manage to find a smart product or technology or service, the business benefit it delivers will usually be pretty short-lived for the simple reason that it can and will be copied. Case in point, who doesn't have a terrorism or cyber product live or in the works? But what if there was already the makings of a completely unique advantage hiding in plain sight? The team at Free Partners believe the only true differentiator you will ever have is your brand. It's yours and yours alone. Free Partners helps insurance businesses answer the question, why you? so that your brand becomes the engine for business growth. If creating a sustainable business advantage is what you're after, why not check out their three-step, standout, grow-strong plan at freepartners.com. The narrow and deep philosophy, we're in a really interesting market where there doesn't seem to be a shortage of capacity in the aggregate, but in those pockets, in those specialty areas, I know some of your clients will be feeling constrained, smaller limits, not such good coverage that they're used to having, obviously higher premiums, probably goes without saying. Sometimes the role of the broker is to go and find new capacity when it isn't currently available. Is that the sort of thing that you've been doing for some of your customers? It's absolutely, Mark, embedded in our DNA. And one of the characteristics of the firm is that we operate a single profit center. We don't have silos. And our view is 
to provide appropriate and competitive terms and conditions to clients. Dependent on the class of business, it's really important you access every element of capital that is out there. And that means dealing with the insurance, not only the insurance markets and insurance capital, but being able to access reinsurance capital, retrocessional capital, alternative capital to meet the needs of our clients. Because there are different drivers in this market, but the market is hardening, especially in specialty lines of insurance and especially for complex clients. And that hardening market means that brokers need to be extremely proactive and innovative in the way they structure the most effective programs. They need to access a broad range of markets across insurance and reinsurance preferably. And they need to be able to do that in a seamless and effective and efficient way. And literally on Friday, we had a large European client that appointed us after a 20-minute discussion with our DNO team. And this particular client previously was buying $150 million of DNO capacity. And their incumbent broker had basically said, believe it or not, the renewal was going to be $10 million of capacity. We were appointed on the spot. And it's a very difficult particular client with difficult exposures. But Within 24 hours, our team had got over $50 million of capacity for this client who was absolutely uh, delighted with the progress. So accessing the market, working as a team, having world-class talent, understanding the market dynamics, knowing how to structure the transactions and listening carefully and communicating to clients are some of the key ingredients. But this market is difficult, it's challenging, and you need high quality talent to navigate through it. Where does technology fit in with that? Is that you coming to the market, coming to some of those markets to give them with all the data and your analysis to show the underwriters that they can have confidence in, in that particular client, for example? Well, technology plays a key part in everything we're doing. I think there are many benefits to starting a new business, Mark. And frankly, there are also, there's a lot of risks. And as you said in your introduction, this is quite a rare occurrence for a broker to start up a new business and, and look to do it at scale. But one of the really great ingredients of starting up a new business is you can learn from the past and think about what you do, how you do it in the future. And starting with a blank sheet of paper and actually developing our technology, which is 100% cloud-based and having no legacy and no legacy systems. For starters, that is incredibly helpful, especially when the market had to pivot because of COVID and work remotely. So point number one, just technology combined with world-class talent is powerful and helpful. And Steve, just on that point, now that your business is maturing somewhat, you know exactly what legacy costs are like because you've been very senior manager at big legacy brokers. What sort of cost advantage are you bringing to the table with that having no legacy and having started with this great new technology? Well, it's a great question. I, it's hard to tell, but I would say it's material because I view it as a, in certain areas, as a productivity advantage. We are very significant users of the white space platform for 
placing all our business. And we've done, certainly when I last looked, the largest and most complex placement on the white space platform, accessing nearly 75 different markets, not just in London, but in many different parts of Europe and the world. And if you look at the old fashioned way of broking, as you will remember, Mark, taking the slipcase and walking around the market and lining up in a queue and waiting for the underwriter and then getting lead terms and going getting follow capacity. Having platforms like Whitespace just transforms that so dramatically and it enables you to be unbelievably productive. So an average broker should be able to do multiples of the amount of work in today's environment compared to even five years ago. So I see productivity as huge upside. I see efficiency as significant upside. And also because of platforms like Whitespace and the way they operate, there's errors and emission risk for brokers are mitigated. There's less scope for misunderstandings of whether information has been provided to underwriters or not. So the whole package, I would say, is so transformational and transformational for a new business that doesn't have legacy systems that the benefits to our firm are absolutely enormous. And, and we Steve, continue to embrace them. While you've been launching, the InsureTech phenomenon has really, really taken off. I was just wondering what's been your engagement with the InsureTech community and what have you been learning from that experience? And we've got an InsureTech audience here. What would you like to say to them and what do you want to challenge them to come and bring you? Well, I think uh, it's fair to say the InsureTech universe is actually evolving rapidly and our strategy team is basically getting reach out from the insurtech world, I would say, on almost a daily basis. Now, you know, when, when I look at um, the landscape and look at the opportunities for insurtech, and just to give you a couple examples of the way we're thinking about this, we want to be working with the insurtech approach in the highly focused ways that can be catalysts for change in the marketplace and the industry. And for example, if you look, Mark, at the way premium and claims flows into the market, it takes on average, I think, premiums coming from around the world into Lloyd's. It takes something like 90 to 120 days from policy inception to get the premium to the underwriters and claims can go back in a similar fashion and take ages. And brokers are in the middle of this, and it doesn't add value to the clients. And so when you look at whether you can do things digitally with blockchain and so on, where you can actually say, we can get out of the way of the premium process and the premium flow. We don't need to handle fiduciary funds. It can take out cost. It can provide a better experience for the customer. And an insurtech solution in that space is powerful, compelling, and will be really valuable, not just for us, but for the industry. I also, when I look at, again, just technology more broadly, we're building what's called the underscore digital platform that enables retail brokers around the world to access Lloyd's in the London market effectively directly through our platform. And that is, again, transformational for the way business is typically done in London, where it's normally retail broker coming to a wholesale broker, the wholesale broker adding five or 10 points commission 
and then placing the business in London. There's a lot of business where that is an inefficient way of handling it. And up until now, there haven't been really good solutions. But today, technology can enable solutions that can present and provide transformational experiences for clients. And so InsureTech and the digital sort of experience and technology it's fast moving, but we're really excited about how it can. So people should come and come and see you. Anything that's going to remove friction, and perhaps anything that's going to help you in your going narrow and deep. If you've got some very specific applications in aviation or DNO or anything, then then you're really really in the market for that kind of thing. But also all the standard sort of back office stuff. We're coming up to a hard stop, Steve. So I think it's very, very important for me to ask you at least one more question. I think it's very important. Obviously, McGinnon Partners is a pure organic startup. And obviously, you've made a big play of that because, of course, you can build that culture that you've started with from scratch and keep that going. But right at the moment, there's some pretty once-in-a-lifetime type M&A opportunities abroad. Are these opportunities that are just something that are too good to resist? You've resisted the temptation to go for any kind of M&A, but obviously you have been put in the frame for some of these by my colleagues in, in the insurance press. I would just want to get you on the record and ask you whether these are something that you might be considering. Well, you talk about a once-in-a-lifetime M&A opportunity, and, and you're right. Aon combining with Willis is the biggest structural change in broking history. And that presents M&A opportunities and they probably clearly a unique M&A opportunity if you read the press and look at business that might need to be divested. But also, Mark, it presents a pretty unique talent acquisition opportunity. And all I would say is we're very closely following the example that we saw with firms like Evercoid in the investment banking world. They currently employ 1,700 colleagues largely 90% through talent acquisition. They're the fourth largest investment bank in the world. And they've got an unbelievably successful business and a great culture. And they're very highly regarded. You know, our model is down that path. So we have serious financial firepower. We're really excited about our talent acquisition strategy. It's working brilliantly. We can ramp it up profoundly and we will ramp it up profoundly and you can never say never to anything but right now our focus is on being ultra ambitious driving our growth strategy and focusing on talent acquisition thank you so much steve never say never so we'll keep our eyes peeled thank you so much i'm so sorry that we didn't have enough time we could have done another hour easily but thank you so much for participating thanks for being on the voice of insurance in collaboration with insurance 3.0 Please, everybody, give Steve a massive digital round of applause. Bang your laptops and do things. And thank you so much to Steve. Thank you. Nice to be on. And thank you for inviting me. And good luck for the rest of the day. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this program. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking 
directly to the industry. The Voice of Insurance is produced in association with Advantage Go, enabling an enterprise view of exposure. Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com. Thank you.